Hi guys, I'm Ashley. I'm Eve. And I'm Nick. And we're the Money Medics. And we're the hosts of Your Real Money Stories. An original podcast series brought to you in association with Zopa. The podcast will we'll be giving you the unfiltered truth about money through anonymous confessions and unfiltered opinions. As well as providing useful information and resources for each topic we discuss. And we have to say, this isn't financial advice. These are just our views. Hi guys, and welcome back to Your Real Money Stories in association with Zopa. And we are the Money Medics. So we're all about sharing real stories, real conversations and information about money. So today we're going to be talking about romance scams. I'm Ashley, you know the usual, I'm a pharmacist, I love food and I love money. <laughs> and I'm Nick, a uh, strategy consultant, um, I work in finance, so I'll be sure to uh, fact check everything we're saying um, and also challenge the status quo and some of the conversations we're about to have today. And my name is Eve, so pharmacist as well. They used to call me landlady, but now they call me yummy mummy. <laughs> I call me yummy mummy. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> um, so this is an anonymous episode uh, story. So there's three sections to the podcast. Mm -hmm. First, we'll hear a personal account from our anonymous guests. We will share our opinions. And at the end, also discuss some tips and resources uh, for you guys. Okay, so as mentioned earlier, today is about romance scams. And if I know a few of us have watched a few of like the true crime documentaries on Netflix. I know there's one called Dirty John. Mm. I loved Dirty John. That was so good, right? Tinder Swindler, love that as well. I mm. love these shows, but God. All of them will just make you go crazy if mm. you watch them, but I don't, I don't want to give too much away. Mm. But, you know, how do you spot the signs of a romance scam? And, you know, all the more, what if it's like someone close to you, like your mum, your sister? How do you convince them that they're being scammed? Because I know my siblings don't listen to me like that. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it's, it is really difficult, mm. you know, and it's, um, it's getting worse. There's yes. actually a recent statistic, uh, according to Action Fraud, that there was a full 40% surge of the amount of romance scams that were committed. Wow. Um, when? During lockdown? During lockdown. Ooh. And it's an ongoing trend. So there's yeah. even more, there's more is going to happen in 2022. 73.9 million. That's how much wow. like, people are scammed out of. Yeah. And I was going to say that even though you're hearing about romance scams all the time, and we've, we've always heard about romance scams, mm. but it's like, as much as we're trying to educate ourselves on them, the people that are committing the crimes are getting smarter. Yeah. Like when I watched The Tinder Swindler, Oh. I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is so smart. As in, that was a that was a very, very, very thought out crime. He he planned this yeah. to the T. I mean, he was a he was a um, taking private jets, staying at the Four Seasons. I know seasons, he did had it a as bodyguard. A this was his career. Yeah, mm. and he was making millions. Well, mm. using other people's money. So, yeah. and you know, just to like kind of bring it down, you know, kind of really. People may be thinking that oh, this can never happen to me, etc. But the funny thing is that, like, I'm sure, have you guys heard of, you know what catfishing is? You know, that like, there's yeah, an MTV yeah. show, Catfish. You'll be surprised that someone could be using your identity to commit yes. fraud on another person, mm. you, you know? So that, it's something to be vigilant and be aware of, you know, about how these people operate. Because someone could be using it and then you get in trouble um, because someone is impersonating you to commit these, like, romance scams. Yeah. But let's uh, get into it. Mm, yeah. 
So we have our anonymous guest, and his name is Martin. Martin. Let me just put this on. Hi, Martin. How are you? Hi there. How's everyone? Okay. Not too, not too bad. bad. Thank you. And of course, Martin is not your real name, but that's what we're going to be calling you throughout this episode. Is that okay? That's absolutely fine. Okay, perfect. And thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come and speak to us today. But first of all, how's your day been? Oh, nice and relaxed. Yeah. Um, adjusting. Uh, I think, um, like everybody, every day has merged into one. into one for the last <laughs> two and a half years. Where it, it doesn't feel like a, a weekend or a weekday. It's just a day. So, <laughs> a, uh, lunch yeah. <laughs> a lunch break. <laughs> like a lunch break. Monday That's morning it. Lunch for break. Our constant Monday morning. That's how I feel like. So let's just get straight into it. So I know the romance scam didn't actually happen to yourself, did it? Mm. So who exactly was it in your family that was affected by this? Um, so, so this was my mother. Um, my mother was a um, um, quite a, quite a high flying socialite, working in the city, mm. earning uh, quite a nice salary, mm. uh, staying in fancy hotels, kind of thing. Um, oh, unfortunately, she suffered a, a very nice life. Yeah. Unfortunately, she suffered a brain injury. Mm. This meant she had to um, stop working. Um, that was a little while ago. Um, then about five years ago, I was sat in a pub on a lovely Easter weekend mm. and I received a message through on my phone. Um, it said, sorry, and there was a name which was close to my name. Mm. wasn't my name, but very close to it. Sorry, this person. Um, I don't have any more money. I can't send you any more money. Mm. I'm, I'm broke. Mm. Yeah. So um, she sent you an, uh, a message. Well, I'm assuming it was supposed to go to someone else. But because exactly your name's right. quite similar, it went to you. Exactly right. My name was very close to the this person's name in her phone book, and mm. she sent it to be my by mistake. Um, now, granted, this was a lovely bank holiday weekend in 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 the pub beer garden, and I'd had uh, you know two or three jars of of beer, <laughs> and so straight on the phone to to her to ask what the message meant, um, and. I got a barrage of very, very defensive, um, this is none of your business kind oh, of wow. insults thrown at me. Which is understandable. Um, I mean, I can understand why she would, you know, mm. potentially react like that. But let's just go back a bit. So um, you said that your mum was a high flyer. Just yep. tell us a bit more about like how she was with money. Because the reason why I want to get into this is that some people think that with romance scams, you know, it only happens to a certain set of people. But I want to really show like the type of person that your mum was before, um, just no, to really fun. indicate that, you know, it can literally happen to anyone. Oh. So tell us a bit more about your mum. Like what type of, like what type of job did she have? Right, so she was a um, high-flying financial advisor okay, at the so time. she even worked um, in, she... in finance? She was um, dealing um, with she was she was offering financial independent financial advice to people, mm. but she wasn't offering financial advice to to people with with tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. We're talking millions. Wow. Um, she treated herself to a brand new Lexus. She had a mortgage nearly paid off. Wow. You know, she she would fly fast class to, okay. on holiday, not a problem. Okay. Once a year, out to see family. She would be very happy walking down you know, Rodeo Drive or Fifth Avenue and just walking into Louis Vuitton and just buy a handbag. Oh, you know, that hey. she was not messing about. We're wow. not, you know, <laughs> right, we're not talking small, small amounts of money here. Mm, I, um, I, I, I fully appreciate 
um, you know, after the older I've got and I've got my wife and stuff like this, but I fully appreciate my, my upbringing was, I was quite privileged mm. in my upbringing um, that, that if I got into any financial difficulty, she would write me a check and that wow. would be fine. You know, That's and so nice. I'm under no illusion wow. that she she earned she did she was very good at her job she mm. did really well at her job she earned a lot of people a lot of money through making some very very shrewd financial decisions mm. um unfortunately as soon as you suffer a brain injury like she did yeah. it all comes crashing down yeah. because she didn't get her license to be able to offer that advice anymore she mm. you know her clients were her friends mm. Her friendship group kind of dwindled. Her work friends were her friends. Mm. That was her social life. Mm. She couldn't work. She then lost that social aspect. Mm. Um, so a big part of that kind of um, life she was living was mm. her life. Mm. You know, myself, I have my work friends. I have personal friends. If mm. I leave a job, I've still got my personal friends. Mm. But that's not what she was like. It was very much she was career focused, all about the city, all about she would be in London, in the city, you know, five nights a week. That world came crumbling down because that world didn't exist anymore. So when you talk about her brain injuries, like, does it mean that it affected her intellectual capabilities? Yes. Like, how did it affect yes. her? I, I obviously want to remain certain anonymous, so I'm using the term brain injury. Mm. Um, it, it was It was a severe stroke. Um, mm. She lost all use of, pretty much use of one side of her body. Um, oh. She lost sight in 100% in one eye, 50% in another eye. She had to give up her driving license, mm. wasn't allowed to drive anymore, lost her independence that way. Um, as I say, it complete, she, was a, a heavy, she was a heavy smoker and she loved a bottle of red wine. Had to stop all of that, you know. She hasn't had a cigarette or a glass of red wine since, you know. And it's this complete polar opposite life, mm. as you can imagine. You you can't, you know. The, the, there is no way to describe how opposite this new life is, yeah. um, and that obviously took some adjustment. Um, unfortunately, the adjustment didn't take into consideration her will or want to maintain that level of living so she was still spending money as if she was earning that money even though she wasn't earning that money but then she was or she still is a very much a um get rich quick kind of person my parents split up when I was a child um, and and later on in life I found out well after I found out about all of this romance scams my father actually did tell us that in the past there had been moments where she'd approached him with timeshare schemes or certain pyramid schemes or certain Ponzi schemes oh, oh, and stuff oh, oh. back in the 80s and the 90s mm. when these things were mail order and, you know, this kind of stuff before the internet. Mm. So she was always very much a get-rich-quick kind of person. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, that because of that, these scammers knew exactly what to play on. Mm. You've now got a very lonely woman who doesn't have much to do because she's not working, mm. um, who wants to earn more money and get money quickly because that's what her entire life has been focused around mm. is, how do I make money for people? Right, mm. how do I make money for myself now? Mm. Um, and so that's kind of how it started, and that's kind of how these romance scammers managed to appeal to her mm. was... 
they're going to make her rich yeah. and they're going to keep a company and they're going to give her a family kind of dynamic again. I still have a relationship with my mother and she's still my mother. However, I'm a grown up and I have my own house and my own family and my own responsibilities. Mm. So it's not something I can always be there and be there at a drop of a hat for her. I will always do things for her, but I can't be the person who looks after her. Mm. It's like they were basically promising the world to her, like everything that she wants. They're promising an income, they're promising, you know, a relationship, a companionship. Basically yeah. everything that she wanted, but Nick, you're about to say something. No, that, what was that? I guess the, the one thing I'm I'm just trying to wonder is like, how did they know to first target her? Yeah, how did they get in contact with her in the first place? So I couldn't do this task. I actually gave this task to my wife. Hmm. Um, she went through uh, when we found out about this. We confiscated her iPad, her laptop, and her telephone, her hmm. mobile phone. And my wife went through every single WhatsApp message, every single Facebook in messenger message every single google hangouts message every single email every single uh telephone call and text message where a lot of this seemed to start was the game words with friends oh okay so so it's like scrabble i you know copyright scrabble um (laughs) it's 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 that game but it's an open chat room so you can go and play with anybody else around the world and you can chat to that person while you're playing them and after you finish that game with that person you can go oh would you like another game that's an interesting place i would never expect there to be fraudsters lurking in like words with friends eve i totally agree with you i totally agree you'd never think about it but then you think right um a bunch of um like where are what games were people growing up in the 70s playing? Um, and which ones are they now going to be playing on their iPads? Wow. It's going to be Monopoly, Scrabble, Trivial Pursuit, anything which was their pop culture and their things they grew up with, mm. they're going to start playing on their iPads. It's the first things they're going to go to, that nostalgia hit of, ah, this is Scrabble. I know this game. I'm going to play Scrabble with this random over the, the other side of the world. All of a sudden, that's just blown their mind. And, and I'm going to really generalise here, and I apologise, and I don't mean to generalise, but you give a generation this technology that they have never experienced that absolutely blows their mind mm. and they are going to consume it mm. I'm, I'm of the generation and i and I, i'm just going to divert so i'm of the generation i feel very lucky that i grew up without the internet and i grew up with the internet mm. my mum would always tell me in the infancy of the internet is you don't talk to strangers you don't mm. you know you don't give your information out this generation are doing the complete opposite of what they told us as children to do. They are giving out all of this information and they don't know they're doing it. Mm. They're telling you don't share passwords and like kind of credit card information, but it's not that information that the hackers are targeting. Yeah. They're going into Facebook pages and they're going, oh, look, I can see that this 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 um, 60-odd-year-old woman has got a new grandchild. Right, brilliant. I've got their name from Words With Friends because they connected with me through their Facebook profile. I can now see their Facebook profile and see they've got a new grandchild. I'm going to open a chat dialogue and go, your grandchild's really nice. All of a sudden, you've got this connection. You've got this person who has got this interest in what you are doing, what your life is about. And they start talking. And it's so interesting, like, 
how thought through the target, like they're actually actively looking for people that may potentially be vulnerable. Absolutely right. Mm. And then they move on to the next one. Yeah. And then they move on to the next one. They're not they're not sat there playing words with friends with one person. This person in wherever is sat there playing words with friends with 200 people. So what are the specific scams that happened to your mum? What When you're, um, I think you said it was your wife that went through all of her contact details or like her, her Google, her Facebook, etc. What exactly did she find? So this started with words with friends. This right. was one contact that she got chatting to. She then shared her Facebook information with him and got connected on Facebook with mm -hmm. him. Okay. Then started talking on WhatsApp with this person and then Google Hangouts. Is this all the same person as well? All the same person, right. all the same person, all the same character. Okay. okay. So we can call him Robert. Okay. <laughs> it was Robert. And he connected with my mum on all of these different channels. Mm. All of a sudden, this and this may not be the same person, okay, because we're in the, you know, the world of the dark web. My mum shared every single piece of information with this person, Robert, on every single different application yeah. because she didn't know better. When you say information, what type of, yeah, what type of information? Passport, picture of her passport, picture what? of the front and back of her credit card, um, pictures of her driving license front and back, utility bills, um, council tax statements, uh, uh, what is in her current like bank statements of like screenshots of her current like what is in her bank account? Mm -hmm. Literally everything you can imagine, because this guy needed five hundred quid because he couldn't access his money or something and would pay it what? back. So was what what was the excuse? So, for example, Robert would say, "Oh, I need your passport pictures because of what exactly?" Uh, so one of those would be for um. So we found out one a lot of that was for a visa application, <laughs> where he was currently working on an oil rig um off the coast of Africa, um and he needed money and um a um uh, and proof of identification of somebody to be a sponsor for him for his uh... visa application so he could move to the UK. Okay. Um, now this is, and I will just say, this is, and this is how they build the trust up is yeah. my mum, he first asked my mum for, I think it was like 200 pounds. Mm. I've got my subs on the oil rig. I haven't got any money. I'm waiting for some cash from America. He was supposed to be American from Texas, <laughs> uh, but of course working on an oil rig in, in, in the, in the Indian ocean. Um, but, but he, he would uh, ask for 200 pounds, but then he would transfer 225 pounds back to my mum. Mm. Oh, wow. That's okay? how he built her trust. trust. He built the trust. Mm. And then the next time, the next time it was, oh, I'm short 250 quid. Oh, there's 200. 75 pounds back so he's 75 quid out of pocket right now but he's now got the trust mm, yeah. and my my mum couldn't see anything wrong with that she thought oh well i've got the money back mm. got the money back oh i know everything about him i know which oil rig he's working on and i've seen pictures of his daughter charlene and she 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 this guy you know just built this truck i'm coming to the uk with my daughter and stuff and my mum would send him pictures of her spare room with brand brand new Egyptian cotton sheets on this bed, saying, "Oh, this is the bedroom Charlene's going to stay in." Wow. Now, at this point, my mum a couldn't afford Egyptian cotton sheets, and b this person just didn't exist. Mm. But this guy had built up the trust. He said enough photos and, and bits huh. and pieces all fitted together, and it was all legitimate. And it's so interesting because um, we were all talking about another show that we watched on Netflix called Tinder Swindler. 
and in that show i don't know if you've watched it but there's um a woman in there and she's um swindled by um a guy that claims to be a millionaire and some people are saying oh how can you and she basically she takes out loans um under her name and gives it to the guy um and and people often say oh how can you take out a loan in your name and like are you not smart enough to know but the guy showed her that he was a millionaire so she had no reason to think that he was not going to pay her back and they're similar to your mom like you know she's she's paid 250 and then she gets 275 back so she trusts him she has no reason to think that you know he hasn't broken his trust thus far so if i give him more why wouldn't he give him give it to me back you know he's a trustworthy person so it's so interesting how they do this but okay sorry go on so you've got the um spare room this is the start of the story okay. i'm just gonna say this is the absolute kind of this is like the the start this is the stuff that we found out about later we've got little amounts of money here we're talking two three hundred quid you mm. know going going backwards and forwards um and then um she um she's contacted by somebody else on words with friends or on facebook or on whatsapp because all of a sudden all of her details are quite obviously all over the dark web. Do you feel like they're sharing it amongst themselves? Absolutely, without wow. any shadow of a doubt. We know that this information has been sold because we had, um, she was receiving prank calls to her landline number from all over the world. But this was just the start. So all of a sudden you've got this one character who's built up the trust with her and then another character pops along. Mm-hmm. Now we've got Trevor who's popped along and Trevor's also Trevor. got a daughter, but Trevor is a, a Bitcoin trader in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Now this is when Bitcoin was around about $3,000 a Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, now I, I'm a, I'm a crypto, I like the crypto. I, I like dabbling in my Bitcoin and stuff like that. So I was getting very excited around, I think it was Thanksgiving. And because I know that because I was in the States at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Thanksgiving a few years ago and it was going to reach $10,000 or something like that. Mm. And I don't know at the time is actually my mum is involved or what she thinks she was involved in Bitcoin, where somebody contacted her on one of these platforms and they convinced her to send money to a Bitcoin trader in South Africa. Now, I don't know how much you guys know about cryptocurrency, but already you don't need a trader in cryptocurrency to trade cryptocurrency for yourself. You can do it all yourself. Um, She had, and at the last count, and I am gonna surmise this, at the last count of all of the money that she had sent to people in romance scams, but also romance scams, which had also fronted themselves as Bitcoin traders as well, that are going to help make her money. So we're looking at around about £120,000 in total of everything. This money was paid from from her mortgage. So she had a mortgage account with her bank, which also had a Visa debit card attached to it. And when you spent anything on the Visa debit card, it just added it to your mortgage amount that you were due to pay back oh um, i've never heard of that wow that's an interesting product um there was no bitcoin wow. no money trail the money made it out there that's it no more contact mm. didn't ever she was trying to contact them they didn't respond and she couldn't work out why these people weren't responding to mm. her my wife sat there and read through i think it was 15 different sent emails with no responses to them going saying things like 
where's my money? Mm. Where's my investment? Where is my money? I've sent you this amount of money. Where is my returns? I can see the profits on you. Where is my money? Mm. Nothing came back in return. Not a single response. So she sent money to like m- multiple people or is, is, it, yes. is this just a one? Wow. No, How many people multi- in total? Well, multi- we last count was six different people. Wow. Whether or not they were the same person, mm. we don't know. Mm. But How we've got discuss- six. So gone. We estimate that this was over a period of about three years. Only. Um, we we three years. 150 thousand oh, 150 thousand no, about 120 thousand pounds but mm. the repercussions of that where she's had to downsize her house and move out and stuff like this and actually salvage her life she's not going to be able to retire as you would imagine someone retiring yeah. unfortunately yeah. that that's been and gone um I've just said about the mortgage part, she also had a private pension, which when she was a high-flying person in the city, was absolutely brilliant to pay into a nice employee-matched 12% pension or whatever it was at that time. It was fantastic. Unfortunately, the £120,000, the £90,000 I'm missing out on that came from her private pension, where she was withdrawing money from her private pension to pay people because they needed money and they thought she thought she was in a relationship with these people so that is where 120,000 pounds worth of money went but this has completely ruined her life the the problem we have with it and this is a big problem i have with this is because of the brain injury Mm. she doesn't realize she doesn't know she doesn't she hasn't put two and two together to still see that this is a scam and she's been scammed out of this money. So does she still contact them? Is she still um, she, told, she promised she promised me she wouldn't. Okay. Um, I was funnily enough, I was I was with myself and and, and, and my partner. We had we moved back in with my mum after all of this happened. We found out about mm. this. I needed to go back in and sort her life out. Mm. So we did that. We managed to go in. We managed to get all our bills down, managed to budget for her, managed a food budget for her, all of these kinds of things which you need to do with somebody who is in critical debt who mm. is about to lose their house. So this has taken a big toll on your life as well. So oh, I'm just, massive. I'm just thinking back to like when you all found out. So I'm personally, I'm very protective of my parents and mm-hmm. if they go for anything, like I really feel it. So when you found out about this, how did it make you feel? Like how, how I don't know, I'll be so livid. How, how were you like when you found all of this out? Um, this made me incredibly angry. Mm, um, the, the reason being, um, the reason being is about six months before I found this out, my brother actually had a phone call from a relative and the relative is an older person in the family and when my mother was this financial advisor she helped him invest his financials into some very sound things and made him quite a lot of money mm-hmm. she'd actually phoned him and asked for fifteen thousand pounds okay. about oh. six months before we found out mm-hmm. and he asked why and she said it was to send to her friend on the internet mm. right. he did not give her the money okay. 
He is much older. He's in his 90s, but he's still on the internet. He's in his <laughs> 90s. But he was savvy enough to say no, and he immediately picked the phone up to my brother and said that this had happened. Mm-hmm. My brother immediately phones me up and says, like, this has happened. Yeah. And we had to go around there and say, we've got, you know, you are being scared. We need to see what's going on. No, it's fine. You know, and this defensive, everything's fine. You know, no one's found out about this lie. It's all good, that kind of thing. Um, and then it was six months later that I received this wrong text message. And the anger comes not from the situation. My anger is directly 100 completely, at 100% completely at these scammers. Yeah. My mum is a victim yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. However, the hurtful part of it is my mum lied to me. Mm. There's been a number of occasions since I found out about this that obviously she lied to me before about mm. not I'm not going to send any money to anybody on the internet when she promised me she wouldn't, mm. then finding out about she had been doing it, mm. then she wouldn't tell us the truth about any of this, and of course then that's mm. when my wife had to go through digging through. We're talking messages which no daughter-in-law should ever read about their mother-in-law. I'm angry, angry at the scammers. I'm angry at my mum because she lied to me. Mm-hmm. I'm angry at me and my brother because... We forget that this generation, you just give them an iPhone and a tablet for Christmas. Mm. Good, there's an iCloud account. Now go and download some apps. (laughs) That's it. There's no education around any of this. Mm. And it's so easy for these scammers that we've put so much impetus on Facebook and on Twitter and on Google and on these third parties to kind of help us, like, weed these people out. But we can't expect them to because they're always going to be one step ahead. Mm. Always going to be one step ahead. We're in a better place now. It's not a positive. My mum, she she was about six months from um, her mortgage being up for renewal. She has now downsized to a flat. Mm. She is now mortgage free. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah. She is now debt free as oh, well. Amazing. So all credit cards, loans, Everything paid off. How did she, she pay that, compl- by the way? Uh, the house she was living in, luckily, was had enough equity in it okay. that when she moved, there was enough to pay all of the debt back. Amazing. I've also got to be fair to the banks here as well. Mm. All of the banks put stops on all of her accounts. Okay. When she was sending money to bitcoin farms in south africa and people in zimbabwe and people yeah. in sierra leone and Did wherever you have to call up the bank to tell them to yeah okay yes. so they didn't do it themselves okay all right no no she no sorry the banks did this automatically oh okay they cut good. her off the banks cut her off okay my mum phoned the banks and got the locks taken off because she was so confident it was mm. right we, we read one dialogue, which was my mum telling the scammer that the bank had put a lock on her account, and the scammer is telling my mum to go to the bank and exactly what to say to tell her to get the block taken off. So, and the thing is, what I'm hearing is that these stories are exactly the same in all of these scenarios. So, like I yeah. said, we, when we were watching the Tinder Swindler, it was the exact same thing. The, go to the bank, the, the, call yeah. the bank. You need to go and do it. That yeah. tone of exactly. ag- aggressiveness. Not even just that. It's like, well, actually, yeah. Basically, the the bank will block the card, and the person will tell the person, go and call the bank and tell them to unblock the card. And then it's just, <laughs> it's just this continuous <laughs> like, circle. Right yeah. Now. But then, so, if they don't have trouble with the banks, they'll then tell you go to Western Union. 
Yeah, send the truck. Yeah. And so, so what? What actually? My mom was then doing is she was going. She was going into the bank. She was withdrawing mm. two and a half thousand pounds in cash, walking two shops over to the Western Union shop and transferring that and sending that out to wherever. And the Western Union people, they're in absolutely no financial position to even question it because yeah. you can send Western Union from your newsagent down the end of the road. Yeah. You know, what, what, what is the newsagent attendant going to do? They're not going to stop anybody sending money going over the counter because the shop is receiving that commission. Yes, my question in all of this, did you... Did, did it come up to report it to the police? Did the police try to do anything? So, like, we, when we found out about it, I spent the best part of two days on the phone with Action Fraud, mm, okay. who are okay. the police department for dealing with anything online. Mm -hmm. Now, um, and I'm going to be quite cynical here, yeah. that anything to do with the public sector is grossly underfunded, grossly understaffed, and grossly behind in regards to technology. Mm. So when we phoned Action Fraud, we told them everything. We got crime reference numbers. We told them names, email addresses, everything that we knew. Mm. And their response was, okay, can you go away and gather all of that evidence and send it all to us, please? But you just did. We didn't get case worker. We didn't get anybody on it. We didn't get anybody from the council. We didn't get... My mum did have a visit from a police officer. That was it. Just on a regular Tuesday afternoon, knock on the door. Oh, we know that you had this crime reported against you. We just want to see how you're doing. That's what we got. My brother is currently in discussions with one of the banks to try and obtain some money back. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is the bank want every single bit of communication yeah. from a iCloud account, which has been shut down for the best part of three or four years, mm -hmm. that is linked to a telephone number that doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. Because the first thing the police in action fraud told us to do was to change my mum's accounts and telephone mm -hmm. number. <laughs> so so how can I authorise getting into an account when the telephone number doesn't exist and you're going to send this authorization code to an email address that doesn't exist anymore because I can't get into it because I haven't got the telephone number. And so what the banks are now saying is, well, you're going to have to take your mother into the Apple store and get them to sort it in there. It's the same as if you get your house burgled nowadays. You get in your house burgled, you get in a crime reference number, you give them that to your insurance company, and that's it. Now, that's when we did shame. finally get involved and get this, you know, and, and, and get hold of all my mum's accounts and everything, mm. we kept open her Facebook account. And when we approached Action Fraud and the banks and stuff like that, we actually got a message from one of the scammers saying, why did you go to the police? <laughs> so... Know. Yeah, so they know... Because there's this trail, and we found out that one of the withdrawals from one of the accounts was from a high street branch of one of the banks, which was about 15 miles away. So we know, we, exactly, we know all of these things, we know better, but nobody wants to, you know, it's, we've got a crime reference number. I was going to say as well that it's such a shame because... When I see um, romance scams, uh, documentaries, etc., and at the end they always say that the victim is still paying off mm. the yeah. the sums. It's like yeah. you're you're defrauded, but you there's absolutely no relief. It's like no you still have to pay, yeah, yeah, unless you declare bankruptcy, you still have to pay off those those loans. And their rationale is that um, ultimately because they took the loans out um, with, 
in their own name. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, that you, you can't actually trace the fraudsters. Absolutely. No, and, and this is what the argument that's been from credit card companies and the banks yeah. is, um, well, you authorised the transaction. Yeah. You put your PIN number in. Mm. You did your password on the authenticate thing. You mm. did your 2FA thing on a text message. You know, my mum authorised all of these payments. Looking back on everything, um, do you feel like you could have done something differently? And were there like any warning signs? I think my biggest regret in all of this is the fact that myself and my brother did exactly what I said people do, which is, ah, oh, Merry Christmas, here's an iPhone. Mm. Okay? We didn't educate. Right. And now, and that's very, very difficult to do. I don't know if any of you guys have tried to educate your parents or anything. Your parents don't like <laughs> they to don't be caught out to you. in the sun. <laughs> they don't <laughs> listen to you. But, <laughs> but we are the correct generation to be teaching that generation about this. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Well, your story and your mum's story, actually. Thank Absolutely, you. it's been my pleasure. I really, all I I hope that it doesn't happen to anybody else. Yeah, yeah. really, yeah, really that's, do. That's part of the point of the podcast as well, just to share different people's stories and hopefully, if it could even save that one person from, you know, falling down that um that fraud rabbit hole, then mm. then that would be amazing. Yeah. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story with us, and we'll catch up later. Thank you. So no problem. Thank you very much. You have a lovely, lovely day. Cheers. Do you know what? I feel like fraud is getting so, like, so sophisticated. Even me, sometimes I'm like, when I get phone calls, texts, emails, I am like so paranoid. Didn't you say someone tried to do fraud in your flat? They put a poster up and they said, oh, you owe service charge. Service charge fraud. Mm. Really? Yes, yes. Like, where like they send like um, letters to you yeah. and say that you should pay the service charge and it's not in your name. Yeah. Mm. Obviously, if you don't know, you'll pay it. But like fraud is getting so like I was watching a show the other day, right? And somebody took a video recording, and they used that to to open someone's, you know, the face ID on someone's iPhone. Can you do that? Yes. Well, apparently you can. And this has made me so suspicious. I remember there was a time that I got a water bill, and it was from a company that I didn't recognize. Do you remember? Yeah, I remember yeah, and I was yeah. like, I'm not paying this bill because I don't recognize. That, was, yeah. that happened to me. That happened to me when I moved as well. I think you were trying to. But it ended up being my, my sewage provider. Yeah, <laughs> I caught them and I was like, okay, this is a legit bill. But it's, it's frustrating because now you literally, they're so like sophisticated, you cannot, mm. you could get like an email from like your bank and you, you can't, you, you, I remember like sometimes I'll be on the phone, I'll get like an email from my bank, right? And I, I don't know if I can trust it. I'll be yeah. like, I'm, I can't give you any information because I don't feel comfortable. I don't know. Yeah, I remember there was a time that my bank tried to call me. I think I... I bought something that was a few hundred. It was a rich girl. It was worthwhile. I think it was like a push or something. I can't remember. Okay. Um, and then um, I think the card blocked and then my bank called me and I was like, um, not, not, sorry, I didn't say the card declined. I said the card <laughs> blocked. <laughs> not declined. Okay. It, it blocked because of the uh, transaction. Mm -hmm. And then my um, my bank called me and I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to tell you. No details. <laughs> okay, I'm going to call my bank myself. I hung up called back and then it was i found it was actually legit like you have to be paranoid yeah i think the, the most important thing is just to kind of build up the red flags mm. and present the case uh to the person because i think yeah, the more 
the more information you can present to them that kind of suggests that things are a bit airy or off, the more they're more like it's just kind of really reflects on mm. certain things. Because the thing about these red red flags, right? A red flag in one scenario may be completely different um, to a different scenario. It's all about context. Mm. So I think if you can build up a case and present it to the person, I think they're more likely to um, take it on board. I think just to bear in mind, you know, like life is very busy. Yeah. And I think there's something to say that um, even when like you become an adult or you move out, just even if it's just a phone call, you know, because things can get really, really uh, lonely sometimes as parents, especially if maybe uh, the the parent has, um, they've lost their other half or they've split up. It can be very, very lonely. Okay? Enough, yeah. So I think it's very, very important as us as, whether it's grandkids or the, your, your mother, your father, just reach out, mm. you know, even if it could be, a message but actually ideally go try and go and see them if you can you know because it's loneliness can really to do different things to do different yeah. things uh, so just something to be uh worry about but yeah i do hope it's kind of giving people perspective on like romance scams being catfished and yeah. and being aware just like um how you protect your identity on social media um, but yeah, the main thing is just uh, try to protect your identity um, and just look out for your loved ones, you know, especially the ones mm. that are maybe they're quite lonely. Um, but yeah, we do hope um, people have taken something away from this episode. Uh, but yeah, you just listen to another episode of Your Real Money Stories. Bye guys. You've just listened to an episode of Your Real Money Stories, an original podcast brought to you in association with Zopa. We provide great value financial products and tools to make managing your money a lot easier. So make sure you subscribe and share with your friends who you think might have related to the episode. For more information and resources around the themes discussed in this episode, head over to zopa.com forward slash podcast. And of course, if you want to be on the next episode, make sure you slide into our DMs at Money Medics on Instagram.